0: The Black Album was a really lousy album which had some of the lousiest songs. Don't buy any album from this band. They are lousy. Buy a dire straits or foreigner CD instead. Metallica sucks, 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 Metallica are junk. You left out one of the Metallica sucks. Oh yeah, the one with the period. Metallica sucks.
2: Listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast. My name is Baco, and this week my plus one is my old friend Josh Toomey from the Doc Toomey podcast, and of course, all sorts of other nonsense. Enjoy.
0: Of some sort, the jet agree, of some gossip, hidden by the sky's my goddamn. Of some paint or ten dirt, and it will take a shotgun, when you are not in the
2: Welcome to Cobras and Fire. My name is Baco, and joining me tonight is a special guest host uh, from Floyd's Knobs, Indiana. Yes, apparently that's an actual name of a town. The one and only host of the Talk To Me show, Joshua Toomey. Josh, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, doing well, man. If you
1: look at uh, every state's perverted name, town, Floyd's Knobs, Indiana is our perverted sounding town name.
2: I'm trying to think what the the one in Minnesota would be. Uh, I'd... uh, uh, I always like the the city castle danger, but that's not really perverted. Um, I don't know. I, I get Wisconsin just sounds like a like some kind of trashy porn <laughs> name. That's our neighbor, but uh, yeah, every, so everything in Wisconsin is uh, perverted. <laughs> oh man, I gotta tell you, football just kicked off, and my Minnesota Vikings after week one are in first place, baby. If the season ended today. The 0-1 Minnesota Vikings would be hosting a playoff game. How about the Tennessee Titans? Josh, how you doing? Uh, we would have probably the number one
1: pick, and you I just looked, looked it, up it up online. Awesome. The most perverted-sounding town in Minnesota is Keister. Oh, Keister, Keister Yeah.
2: <laughs> right on. You only get this kind of gold when you're on the show. And then there's there's also uh,
1: there's also Dick Dick Wisconsin so
2: Dick Wisconsin all right <laughs> huge,
1: huge numbers in Dick Wisconsin
2: uh, that's just like uh, that's mainly just that, that's like a, one of those names that are just like too obvious it's like yeah Dick Wisconsin so
1: <laughs>
2: just spent some time in Wisconsin with my boy Ron Keel. How was that? How was that show? It was a lot of fun, and uh, the band was great. So I was under a, It was actually kind of a, a private biker event. They were selling tickets, you know, to raise money for their uh, their their biker club. But yeah, uh, me and my boy Gene Vogel, we might have been the only men there wearing shorts. Uh, it was a lot of jeans and leather pants, uh, but but I did not see a lot of men in shorts.
1: Well, there are a lot of hog mamas.
2: There was uh, there was some gnarly gnarly nudity going on. Quite a bit. They, they had a wet T-shirt contest. Uh, all I saw oh. was the sign up. Uh, I didn't actually get to witness the event, but I did see a guy riding a motorcycle with a naked woman on it. But uh, uh, anyway, wow!
1: Hey, that's what you get when you go to a Ron Keel show.
2: Yeah, exactly. You get crazy shit. So I, I, I met Ron's <laughs> wife that night too. So uh, it was all. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so Gene and his wife and uh, met up with uh, uh, my lovely bride Toots, and uh, we just had a kind of a couples' night out. Uh, all you could nice. drink too, so that kind of sucked because I was driving, so I couldn't. Uh, I real, I because I could have, I probably could have come close to a forty-five dollar, you know, <laughs> amount of beer, you know. I I I couldn't have covered the ninety for both of us, but anyway,
1: you would have tried. You would have given your valiant effort. Yeah,
2: if I, well, if we were camping for two days, there was camping on site and stuff like that. The weird thing is, it was a, ch- it was a chili feed with no chili. Uh, check out our previous episode for more details on that. But how you doing man? You you had a pretty big uh you had a pretty big episode there over there and Talk to Me and the whole Not Fest show. Um one of your uh well boy, this guy might have been a launching pin for you uh actually picking up a a guitar that has close to six strings but not quite.
1: <laughs> yes, the lower end of the uh guitar spectrum. Uh yeah man, Jason Newstead, uh formerly of Metallica on the Talk to Me podcast talking all things 30th anniversary of the Black Album, and uh, man, what a, what an amazing chat I had. About an hour long, and not amazing because of me,
2: amazing because of him. Um, amazing for I, you, though, man. I was so yeah. pumped. Um, and then watching it, too, just, uh, I don't know, seeing my boy.
1: Yeah, and that thing, uh, we broke it up into four parts on the Notface YouTube, but collectively, like 125,000 views right now. Pretty insane. Damn.
2: <laughs>
1: and uh, let Fuck me tell you. you, the <laughs> comments the, the comment section has gone wild. So I I have checked out from that thing. I have not looked at the comments in like a week because whew, they are not too kind.
2: Hold on, I'm gonna get the latest number on my uh, Tony Harnell interview on uh YouTube there. It's see Oh, it's at uh, 48. forty not thousand. Well dad nine hundred.
1: Uh, <laughs> don't feel too bad. It's like it's like hundred and twenty five thousand and then like my Phil Dimmel is like five hundred and eight. Yeah, <laughs> I like,
2: know, it's all good. <laughs> so
1: but yeah, he he uh he, yeah, he, he was, was great.
2: You were great. Carry on here, man.
1: Yeah, He was awesome, man. I had I don't take a ton of notes and have a ton of questions, but I had about a full sheets worth of bullet points for this one and didn't get to like half of them because he just he's very long-winded. So you kind of had to uh steer the conversation in certain ways and if you wanted to uh you know, get him to change subject, you just kind of had to do it abruptly. There was really no transition into it, but man, he was great. Um, couple blabbermouth articles out of it. You know, you can't can't go wrong with that.
2: He is still, um, you know, as much as he tried to talk about, he wants to do other things musically and stuff like that. But when that dude talks, that guy's a fucking metalhead, man. Oh he yeah, he is just a meathead metalhead, fired up and pumped <laughs> up, and I mean that in the nicest way. that I, I, oh, yeah. not a shot at all. I love the energy he brought to the band. Um, I, I thought, you know, w- with the, Mattel could could not have done better with the base players they've chosen to replace over the years. I from, from Robert replacing him. And of course him place replacing cliff from him, him replacing cliff. So, uh, obviously they, they, they've really kind of, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Les Claypool was in the running supposedly, but that, that seems yeah. weird.
1: That does seem very weird. Yeah, man. Uh, I- I mean, as much as I think Robert Trujillo is an awesome bass player, I think his his braids and his jerseys and his gym shorts on stage always
2: threw me off. Really? I, I thought it would when when they first hired him. Uh but something about the crab walk and the way he kinda and the the fact that he seems to man, he just seems to almost like when he's on stage he like just appreciates like I'm the luckiest son of a bitch, you know. Uh, you know, <laughs> like man. he just he really gets it like that. Even like you know, when they were on Kimmel I kind of felt bad for them. they're doing all this press for the thirtieth anniversary, and the guy's yeah. not even on the damn record and but at the same time, I don't feel bad for him it's is it's weird, so
1: well, that's like the uh the first thing he ever did with Metallica was the Metallica icon thing, so the very first public appearance as a member of Metallica he was doing m t v icon series so I
2: I he I guess he's just thrown into that. I mean, what would who wouldn't it be, you know? I mean, there's nothing it's not like he can do anything about it. It's just all, you know, all that good stuff. So.
1: Yeah, but I think most most fans would have been okay with just the three of them walking out and doing that show and, you know, but uh, but they wanted Robert there, you know, which I guess I get, you know, they wanted the brotherhood and the band together. And, well,
2: I think and, so. And, I I don't begrudge any of the like that kind of stuff. What else are they going to do? You know, Jason quits, you know, Cliff passed away. Um, yeah, th- these aren't kind of like, uh, you know, th- these things that like they- they've done anything wrong. So uh, yeah, he's a member of the band. He should be there, you know, but, uh, I get why he's not getting answering as many questions as maybe Lars and James or even, uh. Even the guitar player guy there.
1: Yeah, that's the one thing in all of this that just makes you just realize how big of a dork Kirk is.
2: I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. I love Kirk though. I, I, I he's uh, he gets um, and we'll, we'll get, when we get into the record, we'll uh, we'll break this down a little more. But he gets kind of hammered as a guitar player a little bit unfairly, and I think that's largely out of jealousy because I, I, I think uh, well, look. He is who he is, but he's definitely not a, a, a fucking hack, man.
1: Oh, yeah. No, he's a great guitar player, just a big old work of a human.
2: All right, so we'll save the uh, the, um, uh, the the Black Album talk there for the back half of the episode here. I did have a question for you, though. Um, re- recently, my wife and I were having a conversation that I, that I need you to chime in on because... I've gone my whole life assuming one thing and it turns out that maybe I'm wrong I, that doesn't happen to me a lot to me that does not happen often but do women have groins? <laughs> um, she says yes, I say no.
1: Well I mean when you when like an athlete pulls their groin muscle, it's not necessarily their junk muscle so it's well, like yeah their, but it's all the muscles like,
2: leading up to the junk, you know what I mean it's like the, it's, right. the, it's like the the inner thigh muscles lead, connecting to the balls and the taint. That's the
1: groin. <laughs> so when a when a runner s- strains that area, you know what do they call it with a female runner? Do they
2: say groin? Well, uh, well, according to my my wife, yes, but to me, um, they just say. Well, I guess I don't know because who watches female sports?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, your Parents? Minnesota Lynx up there. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they've won a few championships, right? Yeah, no, they're uh, they're very talented in that. Uh, that women's basketball or whatever it is. So they,
1: How about me pulling the Minnesota Lynx out on you?
2: <laughs> mm, that's a that's a pretty solid drop. Yeah, I mean, uh, you you did kind of skip past the football talk. Was it was because you wanted to get right to the WNBA shit. Uh, I
1: mean, they probably did much better than our uh, our collective football teams. Hmm. I don't know.
2: First place. I don't know what. I got nothing to complain about. Uh, we we're, we're hosting a whole playoff game, baby oh man, nobody lost as good as we did in our division we uh, all four teams lost, and we just lost in a more respectable and you know less of a margin manner so
1: I mean, if you want to get down to it, I mean as I was watching the Titans game the other day there was there's been I don't think there was a worse loss with expectation. That we've taken in a long time.
2: Hmm, fair enough. Uh, we like, lost to the Bengals, so maybe that—that's something, though.
1: Yeah, but we lost by like twenty-five points.
2: Yeah, you did get beat pretty <laughs> bad. Who'd you play? Arizona. Uh, oh, so, oh, god, they're gonna kick our ass. So in week two, we—I don't think we're gonna be in first place anymore after week two. Uh, I—I've uh, had a bad feeling. I—I I go in with such fucking sky-high optimism. I'm s- almost every season, but like. Our coach hates our quarterback. Our quarterback is kind (laughs) of stupid. Uh, They just watched film together for the first time since Kirk Cousins has been a fucking fucking quarterback. And it was at Kirk's request. Now, that could mean nothing. Maybe Zim never watches you know, with, with the quarterbacks, period. He is a defensive guy, but that seems kind of odd that your head coach has never watched game film with your starting quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess, but like, like you said, I think he's much more of a defensive, you know, defensive coach. So you've got that going. So. Yeah, he
2: does seem to turn the offense over to the whoever his coordinator is. But then he, you know, he's had six coordinators in eight years. <laughs> Jesus,
1: I, I'm, I'm football. I've been listening to so much Titans talk lately that I'm just like. We're about to go get spanked by Seattle, and then our season starts. Like we're just gonna, then we'll go play the Colts, and then hopefully we can win a game. Oh, they're
2: horrible. They're just they're doomed. Uh, Carson <laughs> Wentz is in, in mid season form right now.
1: Yeah, I'm not looking forward to any of this.
2: Hey, you know what? It's 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 a week one overreaction from a losing team uh, from from a couple of super fans that uh, <laughs> uh, don't actually bet money on the game. So, uh, well, at least I don't. I guess I shouldn't assume anything from you, but. Uh, I, 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 put, I put a little scratch on the game. Don't get me wrong. A little scratch. You know, although I am in the Ron, you, you'll love this, uh, Ron Keel Patreon members, he has a special pick them group on, uh, where you just pick the winners, but you put like a point value on it. So I got in late. I didn't even get the Tampa Bay game, which I would have picked, right, because I would have picked Tampa Bay. So I lost out on any points I got from that. I am in second place, one point behind the, the, the leader of the group after one week, with a 9-6 and six win-loss pick em. So yeah, I'm gonna fucking kill this fucking stupid Ron Keel <laughs> Patreon league, and there's a hundred dollars in the line, and I don't have to do anything. So nice.
1: Well, I had you know just a just to bore listeners even more. Y'all oh, right. yeah, yeah we're killing stuff. them right now. They've already <laughs> so
2: kinda, there's a lot of skipping ahead going.
1: I, I had a three leg parlay in the Arizona t- Tennessee game. So I, I and these three things have to win. You're gonna and need and to explain
2: w- the three leg parlay to for okay, so, benefit.
1: So so. Three bets in the one game have to happen. So I had Derrick Henry under 96 yards because he always starts out slow. I had it's because he's fat. James, yeah, yeah that's that's, <laughs> that's what he is. I had James Conner over like 27 yards that's because for your I figured co-host. he was. Yeah,
2: Nick and
1: Trump, I had Ryan Tannehill rushing over 17 and a half yards.
2: Well, so, what was the middle one? I'm sorry.
1: James Connor, who the uh, running back from the Steelers that went to the Cardinals, is like oh, okay, their second yep. string over twenty six yards. I was like, yeah, it sounds like he'll get that. So he got that easy. Derek Henry got fifty eight yards, so I got that easy. Ryan Tannehill, I had to get over seventeen and a half. He rushed for exactly seventeen nice. yards. I was like, you motherfucker!
2: What would uh, what, what kind of scratch would you have pulled in on that?
1: Like thirty five dollars. It, it was a five dollar bet to win forty. <laughs>
0: Just too, just too bad, just too bad.
2: I remember to call my name, I don't. If you speak my name, I'm flowing. If with all these things we invoke you, I call you out our name, but people won't do. today and kind of i I assume preparation for this show you texted me a video of dave ellison uh talking about what is he doing like some book or uh something for nick menza uh
1: he's he is uh narrating a like a documentary that i guess nick menza took a lot of home video footage around that time so the family has got a director and is
2: it it around a certain time or just a metal or megadeth time
1: yeah it's just like those like 88 to 90 you know the good the good era (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, the Rust in Peace era. So yeah, that sh- that should be a lot of fun
2: to watch. Is he going to get uh, Marty Friedman involved and then they they can be like the uh the the lighter Megadeth light or something like that? I, I know Nick's passed away by the way. I just yeah. uh, I'm just saying maybe da- Dave Elvison now is going to get involved with everybody Dave's ever fired.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, he could, you know, get a band with Chris Poland and, you know.
2: Poland sounds like a uh, a penis. I'm currently listening to the
1: Dave Mustaine autobiography. You're listening
2: uh, to it, huh? Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually got that autograph uh, from him. Uh, nice. Yeah. But I, what year did that come on? It's about nine years ago at this point. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. It's a good. one. He,
1: he does not talk highly on pretty much anybody. No,
2: <laughs> no. Other than uh, the man in the mirror, uh, he doesn't yeah. have a high ex. Uh, oh yeah, he's great. Like. yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I love, I have I love a how...
2: weird love for him, and I, and I also like. You know, I agree with everything I say about him on the show. Where like he's just kind of this angry guy, and I loved it. I think L C summed it up best when he said he doesn't jerk off; he beats off. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> he's just, ah, it's like a self-loathing. Uh, I don't know something. Yeah, he's he's really hung up on people's shoes. He complimented mine. They're uh, black Nike uh, Air Monarchs. Uh, he's like those are sweet. So <laughs> <laughs> did he really? No. <laughs> okay. Oh god.
1: I figured that would be awesome if he did though.
2: It really would be. No, he was actually very uh soft he was like basically doing the one thing to everybody that came through, he'd sign the book and then he'd like kinda like Thank you, thank you so much.
1: You know, during the um during the euthanasia tour, um, if you donated ten pounds of food to the local food bank, you got a backstage pass. So me and Jeremy Owsley, I believe you That met seems before,
2: pretty easy to do. Fuck.
1: Um So they, so we go down and we. although that's like
2: $9,000 of ramen. Yeah, it was was pretty (laughs) Well, you know, we got 10,
1: I think we did like 10 cans of, you know, green beans or something, but uh, you took it down there. You got the, you got the backstage pass. It actually looked like a tomato soup, Campbell soup can. Um, and then after, was it after or before the show? I can't remember, but they, they lined everybody up in the seats of the arena who, who all did it and they all just kind of came like they were in the in the row in front of you and they all kind of came down and signed autographs and, and, and kept it moving but yeah, it, was, it was a good time you know got to meet him I think I was what 15 16 you know you can't go wrong with, with that
2: wow yeah it was pretty cool Me, I was like 35 and I was like oh my god you're <laughs> fucking Dave Mustaine so um No, he, whatever. Are you looking forward to the new Megadeth record, or are you, you, you tapping out because of the whole and Elf, nonsense?
1: I mean, I'll definitely stream it. <laughs> I know
2: you will. Yeah, <laughs> give that money to that one dude in fucking Switzerland or whatever, that uh, that tech guy. Thank you, Amen. Fork. Thank you. Delicious meal.
1: <laughs> Thank you, table. Um <laughs> No, I mean, uh, yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I mean, I'm excited to see, you know, Megadeth. There's, I'm still, still possibly going to Iowa for Notfest Iowa, and there, and Megadeth is there, so you have to be definitely. bummed about
2: the Faith No More news, huh?
1: Oh yeah. yeah, that was going to be like the, the the pinnacle of that night.
2: I wish you would have told uh, me you were thinking of going to Knot Fest. I probably would have bought tickets. Well, I mean, you know, if you were thinking
1: about going, then I probably could have got you tickets. But if I was going to go, and you if you were going to go, I could have.
2: I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Hey, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I'll keep that in the back pocket for next year.
1: I know people,
2: Baco. I know people. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty much my uh, my. Uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm I'm, I'm on the to coattails now.
1: If I ever make a flyer, you're gonna, your name will be up high. Don't <laughs> give me a problem. <laughs>
2: Right on. Um, well, uh, Ellison has a new project out, Lucid. Have you checked out any of that?
1: Uh, yeah, I checked out the one song they have out. It's not
2: terrible. It um, is. It's actually very bad. It's it's <laughs> one of the worst things I've heard in my entire life. It sounds rushed. Is what is it? he's got like the lead singer from Sponge? Yeah. And well, I mean, from uh, what from Jean what, Jean what 14, I know, I mean, this... who's basically like a, a name that's everywhere, but uh, you know, not not well known.
1: Yeah, they've had this together for a while, and I I. I... Drew sent me this God back in January. I mean, this is this is something he's been sitting on, so I don't know how rushed it would have been. But he, uh, I'm he, just saying, it
2: sounds rushed.
1: There's no telling how they recorded it. I mean, they could have recorded it in, in you know basements and everything else. But,
2: but yeah, it's well, just sound wise, it's fine. I just think it's a really boring song, and that singer um, yeah. sounds like well, his best days are behind him.
1: It sounds like he was in Sponge. Yeah,
2: it sounds like he was in Sponge.
1: Elphson needs to get together with like Anselmo or just somebody like that and make a super Yeah, uh,
2: have you ever, have you ever tried to give away a Sponge CD? It's it's really difficult. They 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 boomerang back. Uh I I I bought all three of them used and I've <laughs> on two or three different times trying to give them to somebody who said yeah. they, they oh, I kind of like Sponge. Here you go. Here's three CDs. They're like, "No. No, I don't want them. Here, have them back." Uh, <laughs> it's, it's easier to get rid of a Jesus Chrysler CD, that's how hard hearted it. Uh, those, are, those are priceless. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt, there is no price. <laughs>
1: uh. Uh, yeah. I'm glad to see him popping up. Oh, you know, I yeah. thought the video was funny.
2: <laughs> popping up.
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was not a joke. That was uh, that was an actual <laughs> just phrase I made. Um, but no, uh, like, you need to... <laughs> just the simple fact that in that video I sent you... Did you watch the video? I did, yeah. When his first line
0: out of his mouth is... Hi, everybody. David Olson here. Just coming to let you know. Coming, coming to, to let you know. Coming to let you let know. You can't say coming. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, can like,
2: never say... I'm coming <laughs> here first. Coming to you first.
1: No, you cannot... You're not allowed, Dave Ellison. But no, I mean, Dave rules and, and hopefully... Hopefully everything works out in the in the end with all this you know
2: sexual misconduct nonsense well Ron Young of little Caesar uh by the way I think that interviews up to sixty nine uh not thousand uh sixty nine uh streams on youtube uh he he actually I don't know if you listened to that one but he 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 thinks that it's gonna get reconciled eventually like yeah he'll be back in the band yeah I mean he's like come on the guy just jacked off to <laughs> right.
0: Yeah.
2: Like, it it is so silly to think that we're even talking about this. It's, uh, it, the fact that that it's 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 about that and and not like you know like I I I swear to God if if it just came out that like he had actually had sex with this woman he would not be kicked out of the band. It's it's because it's like some kind of weird jerking off on a. Can.
1: Yeah, the only kicking out that should have happened was like his wife and the house. Yeah, that,
2: I mean, that I get, you know what I mean? I mean, the, the, he goes like, well,
1: you know. And like I said, I'm listening to the the Mustang autobiography yeah. and you know, listening to his shit that he talks about. Like Dave Ellison's jerk off videos are not something you kick anybody out of a band for. I mean, Gar Samuelson was showing up t- to practice without his, without his cymbals and sticks because he was pawning them for smack. Like, well smack is kind of
2: expensive you know what i mean so well
1: yeah they had to get well
2: no i hear you maybe look maybe there's something like dave uh Mustaine actually is close to elson's wife or something like that maybe she played a role in him cleaning up himself or something i'm i'm devil's advocating the shit out of this but yeah i'm with you it's just it, it's kind of silly he was actually just here with with drew at uh um at, at crypticon here in minneapolis did you go Um, uh, i was actually it was the night that i went to see ron keel <laughs> i chose ron, ron. keel dave ellison like, yeah yeah like, do i go to hey man you know live in the dream if i went to crypticon i would not have had to go to wisconsin which you know there was there was some balance in there you know but anyway
1: and not not a lot of people want to go to wisconsin
2: no look at the people we know from wisconsin they all leave <laughs> they 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 get jobs they move to the twin cities they move to nashville and then they like just show up and troll you at like you know some kind of summer picnic Enjoyed Ricky Rockman and uh, his Rackman. time. Ricky Rackman.
1: Rack- it's Ricky Rackman. I
2: don't know. I've had him on the show. I think it's Rockman. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Ricky Rackman, uh, you know, you know he was Headbangers Ball kind of stuff. And that was kind of like, you know, when you were like, you know, just hitting the pubes were popping out and you're like sitting around watching M T V yeah. at eleven o'clock at night. I saw a little headline. Do you know do you do you know more about it than I do? I didn't get a chance to read it. It was just before I was leaving work tonight. Something that uh, on Metal Sludger was sharing, like they're about being a poser or something like that.
1: Yeah, a good friend of the uh of the of the podcast universe that we're in, Doctor Fuck, over there at the Rocket Metal Combat podcast. I guess a few years ago he had made this Ricky Rackman is a poser video I've seen it before. And I he re uploaded it recently on his current YouTube channel and Almost somehow, Human.
2: Is that what it's called? Almost yes, human? almost
1: human. You know, he started sharing it around. And I guess it got a little buzz again, and then Metal Sludge picked it up, and then everybody's just kind of trashing Ricky Rackman once again. But my <laughs> my words to you, Ricky Rackman. My words to you, Doctor Fuck, is you were just in the same room with Ricky Rackman. Say it to his face. Say, say it, it to, to my face, face, bitch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so
1: that's that's
2: what I got to say. Well, about what it. does the video entail? Like, what is, how does he, like, what, what's his hey, argument? Have you seen it?
1: Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. It's just, it's, it's just like a, a three minute clip of Ricky Rackman, and Ralph is doing a Ricky Rackman impression over the video. It's funny. I mean, it's clever. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, obviously Ralph's a very funny dude. Sure, yeah, but uh, we but yeah, he's just like uh, you know, oh, I liked I like Trickster, but now I like Nirvana and you know, screw all that hair metal stuff, and I'm gonna cut my hair. You know, it's just okay, it's just poking fun at Ricky. It's not you know, he just he's just calling Ricky Rackman a poser, and then everybody in the metal sludge
2: you know comment section is having a ball with it too. It's weird because I have kind of a. I don't. I really don't have a big problem with with Ricky or what he did. I, I think people held him a little too accountable, considering his job, and at, at times. But at the same time, he's really not always his, his strongest advocate. Uh, but what the hell, what the hell are we even talking about? We're all grown men. He just got a mohawk. For crying <laughs> out loud, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, Good he said him. make make changes, and it's never too late to, to just do something radical yeah. in life. Oh uh, yeah, he was just with us in Nashville there. He played a Ramon song. Yeah. Uh now there's been speculation that he played up like, you know, w- w- that that you know, did he just start playing bass 3 days before or has he actually s- slapped on the weakest instrument in any rock band <laughs> prior to that?
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I don't I don't know. I didn't go to the uh I didn't go to the jam.
2: Yeah. So I don't know. But be- Bop Bob is what I saw. That's a, that's a, that's riding that A string pretty heavy there, but eighth notes I think. Oh, that might be sixteenth actually. No, that's eighth. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I know Ricky gets a lot of crap, and Ricky knows he gets a lot of crap too. I mean, every time I've interviewed him, he's very self he's very self deprecating.
2: But he also and... always brings it up.
1: Oh yeah, it definitely bothers him. Like it, it one hundred percent bothers him. You know, bothered me too, man. I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah,
2: at a certain point, you do have to be kind of above it. I mean, I get some hate. I don't really, I don't get it to the level he does, though. It just seems like (laughs) yeah. It seems like it's a little unbalanced when with him. Maybe I'm missing something, but like the guy hosted a fucking metal TV show for a few years in the early '90s, and we're 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 still harping on him, and we're we're tweeting him bullshit <laughs> over like wanting to play bass at a at a gig in Nashville. Right. Who gives a crap?
1: Yeah, it's it's nuts, man. I mean, he, I was in that like you said, I was in that sweet spot of of you know middle school, high school when when Headbangers Ball with Ricky Rackman was on. So, I mean, I, and obviously I had no life. So I was at home on Saturday nights, you know, when you were in college having your, oh, you know, yeah. w- waking up in a field with, uh, you know, beers all around you and shit like that. Not women. But, uh, Not women. Beers. <laughs> all the women. Oh,
2: yeah, um, no. No. Uh, you're right. You're right about the fields, too. You've been to Minnesota then, too, it turns out. <laughs> right after, I, you know, I played, played. First Avenue, I believe. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, what was the what was the name of that uh, Keister? You've been a uh, big fan of Keister, Minnesota for I a long time. I love yeah. Minnesota. Uh, summers in Keister, I'll never forget.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Waking <laughs> uh, up in a cornfield. There's a double
2: entendre. Summers in Keister.
1: Summers in Keister. Yeah, yeah
2: searched that in UPorn, baby.
1: Yeah, he just he gets a lot of hate, but you know he was my he was my Headbangers Ball host and and Headbangers Ball at the time introduced me to a ton of bands that I still love to this day. So Ricky Rackman, you have no uh, you you have a fan in me.
2: And then I I also caught there was an minute where the two of you were talking in Nashville. It was it was funny because I I saw Ricky the first. All I heard him say was, "Aren't you that guy from Primer?"
1: Yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs>
0: I guess it would be nice if I could touch your body. I know not everybody has got a body like me, but I got to think twice before I give my heart away. And I know all the games you play, because I play them too. showing you that door Rock got it Got it it baby I know you're asking me to stay, stay be, be,
2: One of my favorite takeaways from your uh, your interview with uh, Jason Neustadt was that you, you kind of implied if didn't directly say that he was kind of the reason, and him and then Metallica, that you kind of picked up uh, the bass guitar, largely yeah. with the release of this record.
1: I grew up a Kiss fan, you know, I grew up as a Kiss fan, as in like eight, nine years old, liking
2: Makeup still Kiss. Weird. And, still weird. Still weird. And,
1: <laughs> and, and being into that, and then when... The, actually, I had heard something off of, of Injustice for All, but I was still like 10 or 11, so it didn't click. But then Enter Sandman comes out, and the video is all over MTV, and everyone around me is listening to it, and it blows my mind. And then um, that's when I got really serious about wanting to be in a band, and uh, I really gravitated towards bass, Jason Newstead, obviously Cliff Burton.
2: Now, I was a lot younger when when my life changed, and I, I literally was seven years old. I heard Kiss Alive 2 for the first time, opened up the picture, saw Paul Stanley and looked at that guitar, and I, my mind was – I had no idea at the age of seven that this was going to carry on for the rest of my life. But at the time, I was like, <laughs> I want that guitar, and I want to play this music. And it turned out I, I I did both. But So it was very instant for me. But, again, I think when you're seven years old, things happen a little quicker. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so you wh- wh- how old would you have been? This came out uh August 12th, 1991. How old was uh was uh the was future uh, uh god of podcasting?
1: <laughs> Eddie Trunk was. No, um I was 12. So, uh, so.
2: Still pretty young. So you got a bass guitar when you were 12, huh? I did. Your tiny yep. hands were able to wrap around that
1: uh <laughs> Uh I mean, I was yeah, I I saved uh, allowance and lunch money and some Christmas money, and bought a Memphis P bass copy from the the uh, the music store there. My dad shipped in and bought like a crate, like a little crate. Mm, my first 15th. guitar
2: amp was a crate. Uh, actually, my uh, first good, somewhat good amp was a crate. My first one was like JCPenney.
1: Yeah, the, the, I think it was called the BX10. It was a ten watt amp. Mm. And it sounded like hell, and uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I bought tab books and and all that stuff for for all of Metallica. I mean, literally from the time this album was released till about ninety three. I think it was just everything I played was Metallica.
2: What was the uh, what was the the first song you learned?
1: Uh, first song all the way through that I played was "For Whom the Bell Tolls."
2: In general, or about Metallica.
1: By Metallica, oh, I mean in general, and by Metallica.
2: Okay, all right. Okay. Wow, all right. <laughs> fair enough. I mean, uh, I didn't do
1: it good. I was just what's that?
2: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I was looking for like uh, <laughs> I don't even know what I was going for there. Uh, like unskinny bop, I guess that that that's to help uh, LC out there. That that would be the the Bobby doll joke.
1: I did later on. Um, we joked around at practice a lot with that unskinny bop. Doom doom doom, doom,
2: doom. So, do you know how to play it on Skinny Bop?
1: Yeah, it's an A string.
2: <laughs> oh what's this? Oh I'm just nothing, just sitting here.
1: <laughs> yeah, right, you just damn you just pulling up the guitar.
2: Uh oh, Toomie, we got a online jam session going. Oh fuck, listen to that tone. That is fucking beefy. You know what you know what the fun thing is? I'm playing through a bass amp right now. Damn. Was this in your notes to uh go off the rails like this? Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean why do you think everything's plugged in? I it, <laughs> it's tuned, it's plugged in, I'm ready to go. No, so all right. Did you get the record right away? Like, were you, uh, you as a twelve-year-old who needed to like scrim and save to buy a base? Did you have enough money to go out and buy the cassette? I assume. Definitely bought the cassette. I can't say that I was like a week one
1: buyer. I don't. I don't. I don't know that I had a ride to the Sam Goody.
2: Hmm. Okay. I definitely was not. I had. Uh, I was um, really, really upset with "Injustice for All." Uh, I I just I still it's my least favorite Metallica record and I just uh, I needed to to be proven and then then when I heard it I didn't really have that reaction that a lot of Metallica fans had at that point to this where it was like what the hell is this it's pop music that kind of stuff but it just didn't really gravitate and click with me instantly but I think that was largely because I was so so disenchanted with that 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 record prior it was just like I don't even know, it's easy for me to put words to it now, but at the time my mind was like, this is way too long, it's bad, it sounds horrible, I hate that one song, you know, and it's just, I don't know. Which one? The song One. I just, I don't like it, I I was mad that that became kind of a hit, and uh, I like Blackened, uh, and that's it, off, off Injustice.
1: I like Injustice for All. I uh, I definitely got into it, and uh, I mean I sell I celebrate the first five albums, you know.
2: I'm I'm actually I don't know I'm okay with most of their catalog to be honest with you, other than uh, Injustice and uh, oh that whole rehab record uh, Saint Anger. But uh, um, I did find an interesting fact. I don't know if we want to get into these uh, how we want to do it, but I'm just going to throw it in there. Like of the 16 million copies that have sold to this record, five million were on cassette.
1: I was definitely one of those 5 million.
2: Hmm. Now I have uh I'll show you. This is the uh, I'll I'll describe it for listener. This is the actual CD I bought. Nice. At Face the Music and I don't know it would have been within within the first year of it coming out. And then I I recently purchased I don't know the last couple of years, a recent pressing of the vinyl. Like it's on their own record label, the uh the blackened records deal. It's nice. not one of those special Walmart exclusive color deals. This is before that that stuff happened, but but not too much prior. It, it's too uh, like a double L P one of those deals.
1: Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I like I uh, yeah, I bought the
2: new box set. Um has 16 CDs in it. That is unreal. How much was it again?
1: Uh,
2: 277 Jesus Christ. (laughs) 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 That should
1: be the end of the episode. That's it.
2: Yeah. I was going to keep interrupting you. You give us a breakdown. What do we got here?
1: Uh, Six DVDs.
2: Are these all like just live concerts or?
1: Yeah, just live, different live concerts and some live videos and some, uh, you know, Enter Sandman outtakes and.
2: How many versions of Enter Sandman are there on that blacklisted CD?
1: Um, Not as many as nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. There's like a hundred, <laughs> and
2: and my God, can we stop acting like Miley Cyrus has anything to add to anything? Uh, hey, that you,
1: Miley Cyrus, that that was good, man. That was oh, really come
2: good. on, that was just oh my. You don't talk bad about Dolly
1: Parton's goddaughter.
2: Oh, you know Dolly Parton needs better taste. Yeah, I didn't know where you were going with taste. I
1: heard mm-hmm. the tuh, and I was like, where are we going with that, Michael? Taste.
0: Uh, uh, hey, you
1: here's no your favorite your favorite sounds. part.
2: Uh, six LPs. Hmm. Do you do you even have a turntable? I do.
1: Ooh, I actually uh, have a turntable over uh, a. Uh, you'll actually probably enjoy my record player setup mm. because it, it is one of the newer record players. But I bought an old console record player. And then it had auxiliary. It, had, it did have an auxiliary port on the back. So I've got like an old grandma <laughs> record player, but I've got it kind of jacked up with a new a new turntable in it. So nice. sounds like you're at Mama's house hanging out. Me no, mamma. Um, so yeah, you get a uh, LPs one and two are Metallica the the Black album. Uh, LP three. Uh, yep. Remastered, it is remastered. Uh, LP three, sad but true, picture disc. Eh. LP four is live at Wembley Stadium. Cool. LP five and six is the Moscow show that was like a million people there. Nice. Uh, yeah. So there you go. CD one, Metallica remastered. CD two, you get interviews. CD three, also interviews from the from the era. CD4 riffs and demos. You can just hear James jamming on the Inner Sandman riff. Oh, one more time. Oh, uh, CD4 and CD5 are riffs and demos.
2: Ooh. God damn it, C- Timmy. Hold on. Give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't uh, spaciously set up my place here. Okay, CD4 is riffs and demos. Is that what you just said? Yeah, CDs four and five, riffs and demos. Jesus Christ. This is turning into a train wreck. Hold on. I can't even... My headphone came unplugged again. Hold on. At least I got the Easter egg now. Are you still there? Yep. There we go. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I bought these headphones, you know the ones that you have, but I, bro- the, I actually broke them one night right before I had a, a live stream, and so I bought, I bought the same kind again, but I bought the Bluetooth ones. Oh, but the but the uh, jack that you have in here it goes in and turns, so that wouldn't happen if you bought the ten dollar more ones.
2: Hmm, that's a good <laughs> tip. Um, I'm definitely going to be buying those pretty soon here.
1: So CD seven rough. And alternate
2: mixes. Mm, nice. Did we, did we say
1: CD6 was pre-production and radio edits? CD8, rough and alternate mixes, disc two. Uh, CD9, some uh, the Day on the Green uh, show. That'd be cool. CD10 CD is live at ARCO Arena. CD11 is also live at ARCO Arena. <laughs> CD12, another live at ARCO Arena. CD thirteen, live in Mannheim, Germany, nineteen
2: ninety three. Mannheim, yeah, yeah, baby. That's a Keister. I
1: was about to say that's like the. I think that translates to Keister.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, Fourteen CD live at Mannheim, and then uh, yeah, you got DD 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 DVD one year and a half of the life Metallica outtakes. That's a good one. I haven't I haven't watched any of these yet. Uh, DVD 2, live in Copenhagen. DVD 3, live in Nuremberg, Germany. Live DVD 4, live at Worcester, Belgium.
2: Mm, Worcester. That's where the sauce DVD is. DVD
1: 5, there. Ross Halfen's home videos from around the time. Oh, that'd be cool. And DVD 6, Wherever We May Roam, live DVD.
2: Is that everything then? or?
1: Uh, then it also came with a 120-page full color book uh, three lithographs a lanyard you got a bunch of uh, remake tour laminates guitar picks and yeah and in a, a beautiful box
2: sweet i do have to pick, uh, i got to work this bit a little bit nice yeah hey give us a little bit of uh you were playing it uh, when you got surprised the other day uh, the uh, the whole uh oh the, 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 the my favorite tune here my friend of misery give us a little bit of that
0: I don't know how to play it.
1: <laughs> or the other uh, the, the other big the, man.
2: Damn man, we've gotten uh, we've gotten kinda of a super fan on this thing here.
1: Hey man, I am a super fan.
2: <clears throat> Alright, I'm putting the guitar away. All right, me too. Yeah, you can't beat that beefy 10-watt bait. That's a 10-watt Fender bass amp I have down here in the basement. Nice. Yeah, it's actually uh, works out pretty good for a uh, uh, fill-in uh, uh, guitar. Hey, let's talk about the beefy sound. That's one of the <laughs> things that Metallica kind of brought Bob Rock in for and fucking delivered on this goddamn record. Let me ask you this. Why did that disappear with every record that Bob produced after this?
1: You know, I have no clue. Uh, I like it's funny because I got so into Metallica when this album came out, but by the time Load came out, like I was already into like new metal and in death metal and just like every, oh, right. every other. That
2: had to be like, you know, how like long that time between like twelve and seventeen seems.
1: Oh yeah, I mean it was it was a lifetime, and then I remember getting Load and. Just nice. being so bummed out by it. Just, I mean, I, I can I can listen to it now, but it's still like, like I know most people are like Metallica died when Cliff died, or and Justice for All was the last good album, or the only good album is Ride the Lightning. I like, wouldn't say I most. Get...
2: They didn't sell as many records when those were the fans. You know what I mean? But yeah, uh...
1: but you, I get it. I mean, I like the first five albums to me are pretty untouchable, and mm. then it's just like tolerable after that.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and to me, that's fair, though. I mean, honestly, you know, the older you get, the harder it is to kind of like kind of recreate that magic and stuff, especially when you, yeah. you start making fucking money. You know, oh, yeah. it's difficult to, to still burn. And, and so, like, you know, James feeling sorry for himself for having a drinking problem was the closest thing they had. To kind of having that anger again, and uh. yeah,
1: what's crazy is is putting out this Jason Neustadt interview where we go hard into the Black album and the comments that aren't aimed at me are very like <laughs> this album sucks, you know, this ruined the band. You know, it's yeah. just funny seeing all of that, all of that kind of pop up, and uh. and how many people just hate this album. Well, I love that but, Jimmy
2: Kimmel bit where people like read mean tweets and stuff. So he had Metallica yeah, promoting yeah. this record, and was like uh, reading the Amazon <laughs> one-star reviews. That was uh, look; they weren't as like funny as I was hoping, but it was still pretty cool watching those guys kind of read them.
1: I just saw an interview with James today talking about the uh, that Virginia Tech inner Sandman clip that was going around, and uh, I don't know uh, what you're talking about there. Uh, the I guess uh, Virginia Tech football. Pre-game, they do the whole buildup of *Inner Sandman*, mm. and everyone's jumping. And I guess it it, it uh it, it registered on the uh, the the seismograph or whatever it is the the earthquake.
2: Oh,
0: okay.
1: Oh, the earthquake Otron. Um, so James was talking about how cool it was to. I guess the the question was, did you know you were writing a song that one day would something you know do this? And he's like. He's like that. Just happened organically, you know. You 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 can sit down and try to write. Let's pump up a crowd song, and it's gonna suck. But the way that the fans and the and the and the team embraced Inner Sandman as their kind of pump up pregame song has kind of taken a life on its own.
2: You can't sit down and go. I'm gonna write a timeless rock song and then come up with one. You right. know what I mean? Uh, it, it just it doesn't fucking work that way. But that that um, that opening riff that I was, you know, that, that I was, you know, butchering here earlier that doom doom, 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 That is like manipulated in, in th- uh, at least three different spots, slightly different uh, as far as playing. But it's it, it sounds like the same kind of repeat part. And I think that might be something that Bob Rock to the, brought to the table as far as like kind of understanding more of the uh, music theory kind of stuff. And 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 in production and like try it this way that kind of deal. And Kirk's uh, one of one of the things that he gets to shredded for is the use of the wah, and then of course pentatonic scale stuff. But he does it very well, very tastefully. But this is the record where like I'm going to use the wah on almost every solo. Kind of started.
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, if it ain't broke.
2: <laughs> well, after this record, he's like, well, that's what I'm doing from now on. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Bob.
1: Hey man, if I have a podcast that goes uh, you know, 16 million selling, I'm just going to repeat that over
2: and over. <laughs> a, every day is the greatest hits. Oh my god. So Bob Rock was kind of an interesting choice of producer at the time because he had just come off of like Dr. Feelgood with Motley Crue and and now I actually get it. Like if Dr. Feelgood to me is not that great of a Motley Crue record, but the you cannot argue with the sound of the guitars and drums on that record, oh yeah, and, yeah, and, and even the bass—it's it's just beefy, and that's what Metallica wanted, you know. They're they're especially coming off of the—we don't even have a bass player uh, in Justice for All, so. Oh, by the way, I love that that Jason was just open and honest. Like, yeah, that that hurt my feelings. That that sucked. <laughs> that I couldn't couldn't fucking hear anything. I still don't get. God, so bad. Your Interview with uh, was it Steve Thompson? Was he, he uh, broke it down like he was like, he got it to where like he couldn't hear any basses, like, and then Lars, like,
0: take it negative four dBs, you know, like really?
2: <laughs> you want it less than nothing? You know, it's like Jesus, yeah, I'd be pretty
1: pissed if uh, my debut album with the band and they completely take me off of it. And no, it was he, coming he was off on that of uh, EP. <laughs> wow, that debu- I said debut album. Okay. The but the EP, you know, the Garage Days EP. I mean, he's all over that. I mm-hmm. mean, it's all bass. It's you know, bra- crash course through brain surgery and all and all that stuff, man.
0: Yeah, he
2: peaked with Flotsam. <laughs> hey, have you heard his uh uh not to get too much into this. The his band newstead that that album? Yeah, I thought it was all right. I think I think it's I think it's I think it's slightly better than alright. I, th- I think it's a solid good. I was happy to see him back,
1: and I was happy to see, you know, everything going on with him. But uh, I thought the album th- that is an album that sounded like it was recorded in a bedroom.
2: Oh like, boy, that's I, I, I some harsh it's, criticism. It's, there.
1: It's, it sounded very demoy.
2: I think you're thinking of Echo Brain.
1: I don't think I ever heard Echo Brain.
2: I, mean, I only saw it in the Metallica documentary where Lars is like,
0: I guess Metallica's done. Echo Brain's the future. Jason will talk
1: to me. Well, so what you get for being a dick?
2: Yeah, no, I know. Uh, I think uh, Jason uh, left at the at the right time as far as what was going on there, man. I don't know. I really don't know how Kirk Hammett kind of rode that through other than that he basically is the fucking punching doll that he's portrayed to be sometimes. He's he's a tough one, man. I mean, he but I
1: mean even on Saint Anger, I mean, he finally got to play rhythm tracks. So.
2: Is <laughs> unreal, huh? Yeah. And and yet he has a story of how he wrote the riff for Sandman. Uh I also found out today that Lars Ulrich didn't know the reference Sandman like what it was about.
1: If you listen to the Metallica podcast that they've been putting out, um James actually said his original idea for Inner Sandman was a uh like a, like a chi- like child death. <laughs> like like basically, uh, sudden uh, infant
2: death syndrome? Yeah, the like cri-
1: crib death. Crib death is what I'm looking for. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, ba- and then basically tearing a family apart and all this other stuff. And he handed the lyrics in and Bob and Lars were like, yeah, no. Nah. Like, we're, we have ideas for this song. You need to try again. <laughs> and he said it actually really pissed him off because he'd never been challenged like that before.
2: Yeah, you know, the, there's a couple documentaries out there where it's like there's this one scene where Lars wants to play something again and James throws a hissy fit like, I'm going to lose my voice. I wouldn't ask you to play a drum roll if your arm fell off. And <laughs> and then they, they they go through this like pandering to, to James moment and then James agrees to do it and then he does the worst job at faking being hoarse. Like, like, it's just like, ah, God, that that guy had to be. And then, of course, we see that whole other uh, some kind of animal um, uh, documentary. And I, James does not come off looking like a reasonable human being in that you guys cannot listen to playbacks after four o'clock when I leave. It's like, oh my God, seriously! He's only
1: allowed to work from twelve to four in that, yeah, yeah,
2: and that means you're only allowed to work from twelve to four. And it's just like Jesus. Uh, I never, because I always like Lars always came off as like just a fucking douchebag, and he comes off fucking so reasonable in that movie. That's how bad (laughs) James is. It's like, wow, man. So yeah, I, I got, I can. My point is that, like, yeah. There's all sorts of stories of Bob Rock, you know. Give give it up to him, man, that he rode through this. This was like an eight month recording session, where he actually accomplished probably most of what he wanted to do, but had to fight every step of the way, largely with James.
1: I went back and watched a year and a half before the Jason Newsted interview, and just kind of getting back into that mind frame of, you know, like Metallica was my favorite band. Yeah hundred percent my favorite band at the time. And like they kind of steered me on this path. I mean, even Jason and I talk about that in the interview. You know, if it wasn't for the black album, I'm not doing this. I'm not Yeah. I'm not heavily into metal and playing music and blah blah blah. Like all of it, you know, the 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 butterfly effect moment was getting heavily into Metallica. But seeing some kind of monster later on and even going back and watching a year and a half of the life of Metallica, you kind of see the uh you know kinks in the armor or whatever yeah like you know the band that you always thought could do no wrong and then over the years too like like stories of them kind of ripping songs off and and you know there's a great gary holt story out there of, of an old exodus song that's basically the coolest part of creeping death
2: that part by chance yes okay
1: and, and even in that there's a die chance i mean it's it's crazy it's like an unreleased exodus song that gary holt wrote okay that's 100 100 percent creeping death and then the you know the, the the big epic outro to one is a dark angel song I mean, you put that on, you're like, oh my God. But so there's so much out there that now that you kind of, the band that you thought could do no wrong did a lot of wrong or something.
2: Let's do a hard shift here. I have a a trivia question on this record for you. And I'm watching you, I'm making sure you're not Googling. During the recording of this record, three of the members of the band. We're getting divorces. Which three members of the band were on their way to their uh, a divorce?
1: Well, I know the joke was always we got they got married on Injustice for All and they got divorced on the Black Album.
2: Okay, it's a good joke. <laughs> uh,
1: hilarious. Uh, so the three members would be I don't know. I'm trying to think who who didn't get divorced. <laughs> James, Lars, Kirk. Hmm.
0: So close.
2: Um, James, I believe, is still married to the woman that he was married to at this point. Uh, it was everybody else: Lars, Jason, and Kirk.
0: Any
1: other trivia?
2: No, that was it. That was the one thing I, I wanted to throw at you. But uh...
1: I know you love trivia. <laughs> All
2: right. Well, here's some here's some facts for uh, for the the listeners. Anyway, um, Metallica, which is actually what the album's called. It's not actually called the Black Album. And Craig Smith might need to chime in here, but I do not believe the Beatles' White Album is actually called the White Album. I think it's just called the Beatles. These are kind of like names that the albums took on after the fact. So, uh, But Metallica is the best-selling album in the United States since uh, the whole SoundScan uh, thing started. Uh, it has sold 16.4 million records. Up to 2016, it never sold fewer than 1,000 copies in a week it and it sells and it sells an average of five thousand per week at that time. that's Jeez. pretty fucking amazing in two thousand sixteen it was still averaging five thousand a week. It is spent in three hundred ninety weeks and counting on the billboard two hundred I think the it's probably not in the charts anymore but uh like I said this is uh, about five years old but as recently as two thousand sixteen it was still in the charts. did you guys talk about that with with uh Newsted?
1: yeah he said as of uh as of the recording, there's been only two albums that were on the charts for like 600 weeks, and it was that that aren't greatest hits albums, right? So no, I love that he not... made that
2: because that, to me that's a huge distinction. Uh,
1: so Pink Floyd's uh, Dark Side of the Moon and mm-hmm. the uh, the Black Album.
2: So it remained in the top 40 uh, for almost two years. Uh, and in the last time, it was in the top 40 was in eight, on april 17th 1993 at top 40 selling charts um it prof- it produced five top 25 mainstream songs do you want to uh, name off the singles can there's a trivia question for you can you can you rip them off there
1: um i mean i could have but I, i'm looking at it too so but it's a Enter Sandman, The Unforgiven, Nothing Else Matters, Wherever am I May Roam, and Sad But True.
2: Okay, so if you're looking at the same thing, you know that uh, Enter Sandman actually charted the highest. That is kind of surprising to me. I, I would have thought one of the other ones did, but uh, anyway. Uh, so those are kind of the important details there. Uh, I, I do like what Bob Rock did with this record. I, I thought everything he did after this was kind of a disappointment because of how... I mean, this is a monster. This is back in black. This is... Appetite for destruction, you know what I mean? This mm. is uh Ario Speedwagon. Uh <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they've had a record that sold 10 million copies. High infidelity. Well, why, why why should I take a cheap shot at them? Yeah. Come on, dude. You know what's crazy
1: about this album is it, it you know, you you're obviously everybody's sick of the you know, nothing else matters and inner sandman. And but if you put this album on and listen to the to side two cassette-wise or, you know, even holier-than-thou, I mean, the songs hold up to this day.
2: And it sounds great. I mean, it, oh, yeah. like, the the production is just fucking spot-on. I'll tell you this, that, that whole My Friend of Misery, that is the only track on this record that I will actually cherry-pick to listen to once in a while. Other than that, I if I'm listening to it, I play the whole record.
1: That's what's crazy about all of this stuff that they're putting out. I mean, I think I was, you know... Much as I love Spotify, um, oh, you All love, of these you box sets, the Spotify. All of these box sets are on Spotify. You can, you know, all 15 of these CDs are on Spotify already. But you can go and listen to all these different live shows. And I think they put out a live show around uh, uh, "Ride the Lightning." And like the band doesn't even come in on the right, you know, on the one. <laughs> it's right. just like a big train. It's like a big train wreck, and then the song kind of starts. But I mean. They just don't even care. They just put that out, you know. They're just like, "Yeah, this was us that night. That's what we sounded like.
2: Whatever." And, and just having that like uh, sense of self is is, is, is yeah. it, it's kind of refreshing. It's like, "Yeah, I had a bad night. You want to listen to it?"
1: <laughs> yeah. So I I enjoy that. I will actually be seeing uh, Metallica next weekend. They are here, at louder than life. Hmm. Uh, they're doing two nights, doing two separate sets. So we'll see how that goes.
2: Right on, and um, uh, well, of course, we'll, we'll, uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll hear about it because uh, we talk in text more than people know. Um, but I do have to mention though that, like, uh, you, you commented on something from a recent episode that came up on one of these kind of like sidecast deals that I'm doing. Uh, that so I assume that you're firing up the Spotify and dragging all your children in to listen to this record on a weekly basis. Yes,
0: uh, <laughs> like Metallica.
2: <laughs> daddy likes metallica you like them well like i took i'm trying to be you know, funny I, it's, it's it seems like it's falling short but anyway carry on
1: i you know you talk about you know getting our kids into kiss and metallica and playing trying to play quote-unquote good music around them and you know my little one likes you know uh, <laughs> we're not gonna take it and and you know he dirty deeds done they're cheap and you know, it took him to see Kiss, and he really had a good time uh, a couple of years ago. But obviously, my fifteen-year-old like has nothing to do with metal, hard rock, nothing. Nice. He's he's into these like SoundCloud rappers that just.
2: <laughs>
1: it, I I'm a big rap fan. I you know, I like I like the rap, and I, I like, like most. I like the rap. I like most eras of rap, but the auto tune rap takes me out of it because one of my favorite things about rap is a really distinct cool voice.
2: Chuck D baby.
1: You know, Chuck D, Tupac, Snoop, Exhibit, mm. any of those mystical any of those guys that just had a very it. distinct voice. But Chuck but, D's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. He uh he has a playlist on Spotify um that <laughs> we that we can make about from from the house to the high school cuz I I drop him off in the morning on my way to work. That I, I let him listen to his music, you know, kind of get his day going or whatever.
2: Yeah, and well, see, that's he... awesome. My dad l- l- let me listen to like f- I would buy a Wasp tape <laughs> at the mall for my birthday, yeah. and on the forty-five minute drive home to Oatana, he would l- he would let me play it in the car. Yeah, he hated it's it.
1: A fuck like a <laughs> it's funny because like the playlist is is by a bunch of different artists. Yeah.
2: But I understand what a playlist is, even though I don't listen to Spotify.
1: Well, it's a playlist of a bunch of different Oh, artists. okay. I'm
2: yeah. sorry. I thought you were actually describing yeah. to me what a <laughs> no. playlist
0: is.
1: So he so we listen to the, the playlist each morning and <laughs> And for the most part with the auto tune you can't really tell the guys apart. Yeah. And it kind of bums me out. I'm like, this there's there's no distinct sound here. Like there's no you know, there's nothing that that makes me go, oh well, this guy's cool because he has a flow like this and blah 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 blah. But I mean, it, you know, it's it is what it is. Yeah. And and I'm you know I'm I'm not going to try to be like, no, bro, we need to listen to Slayer. Yeah. Right. Because there's no way that's going to work. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've taken I've taken him to concerts over the years, here and there. But it's it's definitely it definitely did not seep in. But then at the same time. I, you know, I guess it shouldn't, my dad this it stuff.
2: shouldn't, it should be like, uh, their own discovery, their own era, yeah. their own thing. We should kind of hate it. Yeah.
1: Right. I, that's the whole point. That's like, and like, <laughs> you know, sometimes, I mean, obviously it's vulgar and degrading and, you know, like, like a good rap tune should be. Yeah. Um, so it's funny cause it'll just go off and I'll look at him and I'll be like, you know, no other parent. Is allowing their kid to listen to this on the way to school <laughs> in the car. Like, this is ridiculous, dude. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, if, you know, I bought him a hoodie and, and, and trying to, you know, if this is what he wants to like, you know, if, if one of these guys came through town, I will take him to the show, you know, that whole thing. Right on. Um, I'm not going to try to, you all, I also can't be that parent that's like reading the liner notes to see what the lyrics say because, and I did have a conversation with him the other day about. I was like, you know, dad listens to a lot of stupid stuff. That's, you know, dragons and murder and, you know, death and all this other stuff, but it's all fantasy. So, I mean, you got to think about it. You know, the stuff these guys are talking about, that's fantasy. That's not life. See, you the, know? You gotta, that
2: part's parenting. The other part is, you know, what you're talking about there is letting things go. Yeah. Because, honestly, especially guys like you and me, we would be yeah. fucking huge. Hypocrites, almost at a unredeemable level, right. uh, you know, because it's okay to say like, "Well, I smoked dope when I was your age," but I don't want you to. I kind of get that, but I'm like, I think you'll be okay as long as you understand what you just said. You, you made a great yeah. point there. It's like these lyrics aren't necessarily literal, you know,
1: right? You know. Women don't want to be treated like that, you know. You gotta, <laughs> and things like that. You gotta make sure that when you start to date, that you're not like, "Oh, I think women like this," <laughs> they right. need to be degra- degraded and called whores. You know, you can't. Although I
2: think the song "I Like Big Butts" is literal, right? That's definitely there's no. Well, he there's no yeah, nuance he, there.
1: <laughs> no, he literally liked big butts because yeah. he cannot lie.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what about some final thoughts on the Black album? I know it meant a lot to you. It was kind of a, a launching pad for you. I do, like I said, this is an amazing record. It deserves the accolades it gets. Uh, I was disappointed in the box set because of the blacklisted stuff. Everything you mentioned that was in there is actually pretty awesome, but the the blacklisted these covers. Uh, I just I don't know. I I didn't need. First of all. I, need, I don't need any of them, I guess. Well, you don't
1: like covers, so well, let's start. Well, there's with
2: that. that, but. Uh...
1: <laughs> so, 53 versions of Metallica songs is not
2: high on your list. Um, yeah, why not just I... one of each song? Because it, they didn't even do every song. You have 19 no, versions of Nothing Else, Nothing Else Matters, but zero versions of My Friend of Misery. Nobody wanted to do that. There's like three versions of My Friend of Misery. Oh, really? Well, then uh fuck me.
1: They did every song. There's only one there the the struggle within is the only one that only has one okay. cover.
2: Well, but I missed the, it in my research here, so.
1: Yeah, the uh over on Not Fest Twitch, we did a a breakdown of this album of the Blacklist. <laughs> um You know, I mean, there's a lot of things they could have done with this album, but I mean, it it was a fun listen one time through. It's not in the box set, so let's get that out of the way. Oh, okay, Um, I did not know. I assume this is its own. This is its own separate deal. Um, As the as the uh, covers were coming out, you know, they were popping up on Spotify every couple of days, which is a great thing. Um, And I would check them out every day and be like, "All right, that's cool. It's not something I'm going to go back to." Uh there were a couple of covers I enjoyed. Um Miley. But, hey, Miley Cyrus killed it, man.
2: <laughs> she she, um, yeah, she definitely did. She definitely did kill it. <laughs> yeah. Um Can we stop but, I mean, pretending
1: she's any good? God damn it. Can we stop pretending that she's bad?
2: Um, well <sighs> there is a valley between got... any good and bad. Right. Like is she did she Make it through the song, yeah. It, if she was doing karaoke at a bar, it might be okay. But no, it's it's not like, I need to get that in a fucking studio. I'm just sorry. <laughs> I just, I, I don't hear it. Uh, she's uh, She always reminds me of Hannah Montana for some reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, I've never seen
1: them two in the same room at the same time, so. Mm, okay. Um, Have you, did you like Volbeat's Don't Tread on Me or Ghosts Inner Sandman or...
2: I actually disliked both. Uh, okay. um, it's weird. You must have picked those up because you know they're bands I like, but because uh, I didn't listen to every song, but those two I did, and uh, could could care less about either. So
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, for the most part, I mean, it's just obviously different styles of music with their takes on these songs. They're not going to replace any of the original songs for me. All going towards charity and okay. i thought it was that's fun. i thought it was pretty i thought it was a fun little little tribute to the album you know i'm sure it did start with let's have one artist do each song and then as it got out it's like you know more people be like hey can we do one hey can we do one you know and but then for we, the most part the
2: weezer's like can we do a spot-on rever- uh, version of uh inner sandman for no apparent reason because <laughs> that's all we do when we do covers
1: you know Corey taylor did a great holier than thou
2: Okay, I, I didn't check that one out, but largely because I'm kind of getting sick of Corey.
1: Well, I mean, you know, his company signs my paycheck, so.
2: I mean, <laughs> that dude. <laughs> that was. <laughs> cannot do any wrong in my eyes. And a
1: great, great artist.
2: But yeah, and he, he, he is actually, a, by he, the way, he is uh, like, like I, I think he's gotten a little thin with me, but man, I saw him. Um, and I did a whole a whole day de- whole day with Corey Taylor where I went to a book signing and I met some of his fans in the parking lot and then I saw him interact with people while they're getting their their books signed and then I went to his acoustic show that night and he is the real deal uh he he truly connects with his audience in a way that i it's 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 hard to duplicate so i I no hate for that guy but man, I just uh, that solo album he did just didn't, didn't really click with me. The last Slipknot kind of irritated me. Uh, that's really the bit, the the crux of my bitch. So I, I'll the, check uh, it out now because you know he's awesome and you love him.
1: Well, Stone Sour did a really good Creeping Death, and then the on this solo on this uh, tribute album, uh, he is the only artist that at the end of his Holier Than Now they go into Whiplash. So
2: there you Ooh, go. Oh, nice. <laughs>
1: So well, paying a little homage to the old days.
2: As we all want to do, we always talk long when we get together. Uh, we got to wrap this up, though. Why don't you uh, just pimp yourself, man? Where can people find... I, everybody knows me.com, but you've got a lot more going on than that. Well,
1: technically, me.com is a uh, real estate agent. TalkToMePod.com is where you can find me.
0: Mm, um, sorry.
1: But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can go to notfest.com. Uh, head up over and check out the series section. You can find me over there under the series on notfest.com. And then obviously Thursday nights, five to seven p.m. Eastern, you can find me on the NotFest official Twitch, which is twitchtv official, which Baco has been a part of. He jumped on there with me one night and uh, talked awesome. some big four. And uh, yeah, you need to come on, uh, come back on soon. So yeah, so NotFest official Twitch, NotFest official YouTube. Check out my Jason Newstead interview. Uh, if you don't want to do watch all four parts on YouTube, it's on podcast form at uh, TalkToMePod.com. dot com.
2: And I highly recommend it. And uh, do you, off the top of your head, know where the Super Bowl is this year? uh the super bowl this year Is, oh, it's in los angeles isn't it at the uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah 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 okay uh so the vikings uh, and titans i think are going to be meeting there so uh <laughs> you and i will uh be heading to la there uh the second week of Febu- february
1: i promise you if the titans and the vikings are in the super bowl we will be there no matter where it's at
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're dropping that not fest money and taking us both out there baby
1: I will pay your way to this if both teams make it to the Super Bowl.
2: <laughs> you heard it here on Cobras and Fire. All right. Hey, Josh, always a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. Anytime, anytime you need me,
1: anytime Luce doesn't want to come on the show anymore, you just give me a call. I'll be there for you.
2: Do you want to do a Rock's Not Dead? What do you want to say? Whatever, man. Never mind. stupid town's name or should i say louisville you can say my stupid stupid town's name what is the name again it's jerk snobs floyd's (laughs) knobs floyd's knobs all right here we go
0: it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football